0: Welcome to the Rappaport Diamond Podcast, and now your
1: host, Joshua Friedman. Welcome to the Rappaport Diamond Podcast. I'm Joshua Friedman, news editor at Rappaport, and today's episode is about the inaugural lab-grown diamond symposium, which took place on July the 10th, in Dubai, organised by the Dubai Multi-Commodity Centre, the DMCC. Our special guest is Amish Shah, founder of Alta-Created Diamonds and jewellery brand Javar, which the company launched earlier this year. Amish was a participant in one of the panels at the conference and gives his reflections on the event and his views on the latest trends in the sector. You are joining us from Dubai, I gather, where you've been at the lab-grown symposium, which supposedly is the first of this type. Firstly, just to deal with the most important things, I understand that the dress code was jeans and t-shirt to reflect the nature of the lab-grown diamond industry. Did you wear jeans and t-shirts and was this dress code enforced?
0: Thank you so much, Joshua, for having me on the podcast. Yes, the symposium was dressed in sharp casuals. There were a variety of people between jeans and great polos, jeans and shirt. I myself, I love styling so while i did get a pair of nice colorful pants from new york to wear them after coming to dubai i said you know what i need to just get relaxed linens got a nice shirt had it tucked out in a bright green color in beige pants so i think the best part was being that it was a technology conference versus a diamond conference people were in an energetic mode not only through their clothing being relaxed but it's also relaxed to the mind to think and talk. So yes, it was a great opening and getting to see people in this industry dressed in a very relaxed form.
1: Now, just to kind of summarize what it was, this was a one-day conference symposium organized by the DMCC in Dubai, devoted to the lab-grown industry. So there were panel discussions and speakers about lab-grown, is that correct? And how how would you describe the event? How was it?
0: The lab-grown symposium was world's first conference dedicated to the category by DMCC under the leadership of Ahmed bin Sulayam. It was full of energy, excitement, and education. I think the three E's is what I would focus on. We're taking a step back, Joshua, if you take like four years back during the Dubai Diamond Conference in 2019, stalwarts from the Earth Mine diamond category, Stephen Lussier and Stuart Brown representing the category. And William Shore, Bill from Caspian Capital, and myself are present here to have a very open discussion while the opportunities, challenges, and debate where the category would move. What happened during that panel changed everything. The category Numbers. If you think from a systems perspective, production is up five times. The growth of category from about less than ten percent is at almost fifty percent retail. And the mine diamond dealers, be it the site holders or that, they were on the fence, across the line. This was where Dubai's role really starts in the category and how it welcomed an open conversation. When most part of the world, every diamond exchange, every diamond boards had said. No, the lab-grown symposium that happened yesterday was again a historic event because it brought everybody under one roof. You know, you had miners, you had lab-grown diamond producers, you had banks, you had retailers from America, India, Europe, Middle East, and different countries. You had wholesalers, you had brokers. So you had everybody in the one room stakeholders that are looking to see how to evolve this category to stand on its own feet. And I think that's where I would love to quote what Ahmed bin Soumyam's opening speech he had said, that it's about building the lab-grown diamond industry's own bright future. And the best part I would surely like to say, Joshua, here, that this symposium was not about lab-grown versus mind. You know, a lot of times the conversations are so focused on that, The best part about this conversation was that it was a productive and a positive conference versus being a conference where, or a panel debate where people are throwing dirt on each other. And that's why, from the dressing to the atmosphere, it was all about provoking people for positive conversations and how do we build the category. It was highly interactive. That's one thing I surely do want to mention. Anish Agrawal from Gemdex, who was the moderator for all the three panels and hosted it. The best part, the way he actually curated the event, was that during the panels, people were polling. During the panels, everybody in the seating was actually interacting and before and after the panels, or even at the end of symposium, there was an open mic. You could express your views, thoughts, ideas. And this was something I really appreciated because very few places in the world, this has really happened. So I would say from that perspective, this was a great, you know, the atmosphere and the setting was great. And once again, I would like to thank Amit bin Sulayam for bringing everybody together. And giving the lab-grown category an opportunity to see and build its own future.
1: It's no coincidence, as well, that Dubai was the trading centre that organised it, because it's probably the most, would you say, it, it's the most agnostic trading centre with regards to natural and lab-grown diamonds. I believe it doesn't have the same pedigree in natural diamonds that, say, India and Israel and Belgium have, and it's also it's been more open to lab-grown than really any of the other centres. Is that correct?
0: Absolutely. I think the way in which I adore and respect is how Ahmed bin Sulayem said that when in his opening speech he was talking about the 2019 conference, he is open to ideas, businesses, technological advancements, and evolution, as long as you do proper disclosure. Also, just like how you said, you know, India, Israel, and other countries have deep roots into EarthMine, and this shift took time for all the different locations, the people involved to see this shift happening. While Dubai is moving, one thing that they do is they move fast. That's why when they gave an open, allowed an open panel to be discussed in 2019, what came out of that panel was a lot of companies that dived into it because there was an open conversation. And I think it doesn't surprise because if you look at the numbers, you know, last year they did $1.5 billion out of Dubai in lab-grown, that's 123% growth. There's almost over 2,000 diamond companies that are operating out of Dubai between lab and mine, primarily mine, with lab slowly, slowly starting to grow. And Dubai is now the new diamond hub of the world. So it makes a lot of sense for them to bring every category and give them the opportunity to express themselves.
1: So I think two major stories, two major developments in the lab-grown industry in the last couple of weeks, and I'm sure both of these were discussed, if not in the panel events, and at least on the, you know, around the the coffee tables. The first one being De Beers' entry into lab-grown engagement rings, Lightbox's entry, which is now, what, three weeks ago or something. We're recording this on July 11th. What's your view on that? I mean, De Beers, as we know, originally said that it saw lab-grown as being purely a product for fun fashion jewellery. And now it started to test, kind of gradually changed that. And now it's starting to test you know, bridal jewelry, engagement rings with you know, center stones of up to two carats. How do you view this and how does the lab-grown industry view this? Sure.
0: You know, everything has nostalgia involved when you have been a journey in the category. I myself have been in this for 17 years in the lab-grown diamond category and Alter was brought to market in 2016. So I'll take you to 2018 when Lightbox was first unveiled. Unveiling of Lightbox to the industry was an acknowledgement of the category, and that these are diamonds. It was a month and a half before the FTC, you know, announced. FTC was July, two thousand eighteen, and Lightbox was June two thousand eighteen. So that was the acknowledgement, and that was the first biggest step. From my perspective, I had said thank you. We, as lab grown diamond industry, and on behalf of the industry, I can say this, that we would have never been able to buy this much press and get acknowledgement at the consumer level for the lab-grown diamond category if Lightbox was never unveiled at that time. Fast forwarding in September 2019, the conversation was always, like you said, you know, Lightbox is for fun jewelry. It's okay to lose it. It's for shallow moments you know if i look at that original presentation from june 2018 their presentation to the trade was primarily focused that lab-grown diamonds could never represent precious moments of life or for consumers who were looking to use a bead for engagement or for important moments fast forwarding to 2023 their entering into the engagement category is a testament to consume our power. it also acknowledges the fact that every corporation in the world loves EBITDA. It's very clear that they will make the decision once they're educated. When they saw that a earth earthmine diamond and a lab-grown diamond, when they understood that both are the same, they are making a choice that suits their lifestyle, their affordability, and making a decision based on various other pillars this over time as we know went from between one or two percent of the engagement ring category when we brought this category to market in 2016 to today being almost just around 50 percent the 50 percent of the loose diamonds that are being used for the engagement rings the fine jewelry category is now starting to transition into lab grown and what took 7 years for the engagement ring category to reach 50% will not take more than 2 years in the fine and fashion jewelry their entrance into the category clearly signifies and importantly Joshua I would like to say this you know the trade has always talked about $800 a carat You know, that lab-grown diamond should be $800 a carat. What is very interesting, when we fast forward to 2023 from 2018, today they've put forward a one-carat solitaire ring for $2,500 a carat and a two-carat for $5,000. Now, if you look at their finer quality, the first thing it makes me think is at that point, they didn't want to do any grading. Now, they're even talking about doing grading on this. Yes, it's grouped, but it's really graded into two qualities. And this quality, which they call the finest, at $1,600 a carat, is still only $3,200. So they charge about $900 for a solitaire ring, a gold simple solitaire, at $2,500. But at the two carat, they charge the consumer $1,800. How does that make sense? And again, I'm not gonna question them because it's their business, but it's all about like how you asked and said, yes, so we see it. It's very transparent. The transparency clearly say that they understand and have now accepted the opportunity that lab grown diamonds offers for the diamond industry. And as a business, like I said in very simple words, every business is focused on its EBITDA. And lab-grown diamonds help improve your EBITDA when a product has a consumer growth of double-digit month-over-month, year-over-year. In which industry would a stalwart like to lose their market share and let go of margin? So that is a clear thought process. From the perspective of how it the community or the overall lab grown diamond industry sees it, I think the lab grown diamond industry is beyond the light box conversation. Yes, everybody sees it and now realizes it that yes, they accepted it too. It's not 2018 where they tried to move everybody's cheese. At this point, it actually was not as much big of a conversation during the conference because everybody who was at the conference was focused on how we will grow the category today one carat at retail is sold at proper retailers like you know specialty retailers and that anything between 1700 and 2500 dollars a carat so what they did is they actually aligned themselves to the egg industry The industry did not need to align to them this is very very important to actually see that they didn't have the industry has not had to align to them now they're aligning to the industry and as a representative of the lab-grown diamond industry we're just welcoming them
1: but at the same time at least at the wholesale level we have seen a sharp decline in prices of lab-grown diamonds, as predicted because of the higher production. Which brings me on to the other major story in lab-grown in the last couple of weeks, which is reports of a large bankruptcy in India. The identity of the company is not public, but it does seem that the margins aren't there as they used to be, and the prices are going on a downward trajectory that's likely to continue.
0: So it has to be seen, let me break it down in different parts. One thing is about the recent, you know, the link about the recent news from India about potentially an Indian grower going bankrupt. At this point of time, there is no information that I have that confirms any part of that, neither any of the banks or that have spoken about it. There was nothing about this discussed at the symposium, also. Have the margins gone down at the producer level? Absolutely. Two things have happened technology has evolved. As a grower, the amount of carrots per month we were producing per system in 2016 to 2023 has changed. We produce almost twice the carrots in the same month. So technology improvement has increased the production. The cost of the systems between 2016 and 2023 is down to about a third. So the cost of a system is a third, and this system is producing twice the carrots. So you can actually do the math $100 system went to $33 and this $33 system is now producing twice the output. So there is economy of scale. One is because you have more systems that are producing and then you have the benefit of improved technology. So that is one part that's there. The other part is as competition goes up and in any technology industry, there always comes a point in that first phase of growth that there is that angle when things settle down. Margins have to settle to what the market can accept. And this is primarily at the producer and midstream level. The retail is right now disconnected at the wholesale level. So if something was selling for 700 and today selling for 400, yes, it is gone from 700 to 400 in the last 12 months, you know, almost like half the price. However, that has not affected the retail. The retail margins have improved. How does this affect the producers? The speed at which the new systems were being Implemented or installed for further expansion has slowed down because the ROI in the growing area is lower or far lower than it used to be about three years ago, two years ago, and even a year ago. But I can tell you as a grower today that even at this point of time, with the current price per carat for rough and for polished diamonds. The growers have a healthy margin that will enable them not only to sustain, but to thrive and further grow. And like every technology industry, there will always be a certain amount of smaller growers, non-organized, or technologically weak, that will have to weed out. And we are now in that phase.
1: All right, are you um you are speaking on a panel about marketing and branding at the symposium? Is that correct? What would you say are the conclusions uh, from that session?
0: So uh, there were three panels. One was focused on industry economics. The second one was marketing and branding. The third panel was on sustainability and environment. These were the three important panels that happened. I'll give you a summary on each one, and then of course our panel views. I think from an industry economics, the focus was about how the industry needs to focus on growth, technological improvement, and how do we work together to create value. The very important part was that technological improvement has led to better economics for the grower. Just like I said about the cost of the systems and the price per carat. Hence, it is now important to create value over price through various other pillars, which would be marketing, branding, and more. Everyone there from the panelists to the audience agreed that producers need to align downstream with retailers, brands, designers, so that Production is aligned to demand, and there is a growth of value. The midstream in the diamond industry will need to get reorganized, reorganized in a format that it needs to create value for its existence and thriving in this next generation of the diamond industry. One thing that was very clear was technology does not commoditize selling it as a commodity does. This is something I have believed for years, and this was reiterated and re-spoken and firmed during this panel, because a lot of times we don't realize the competition is not the earth mind or lab. Our competition is travel, electronics, and various others. So this was the industry economics panel. The marketing and branding panel, which was the second panel, directly led in from the conversation of the first, understanding the importance and the need for marketing, branding, and value creation at the retail level. We had two retailers, myself and another gentleman from the wholesale and distribution side, Vishal Mehta. What was during this panel, the conversations were focused on what is the consumer's expectation? What are the current consumer offerings and how can we improve them? What is important to a consumer? Today, lab-grown diamonds offer the opportunity of not only designing jewelry, but designing diamonds, newer diamond cuts in newly designed jewelry, and all the various pillars that will focus on consumer desire, because at the end of the day, value creation is directly relative to consumer perception of the product, the way it is packaged and presented. We had four participants on the panel, two retailers and two from the trade side, and the panel was excellent conversation between the importance on design and moving away from the conversation of component costing. And this, Joshua, was the best part of the conversation. Instead of focusing on the paint, let's focus on the art that is created on the canvas from the paint because the value is in the art. The value is not in the paint. And this was integral to the marketing and branding panel. The last panel that was focused on sustainability was a very positive panel because it focused importantly with a very good explanation from Nia Vijaghani, who is one of the speakers from RSM Institute. that we as an industry, a lot of times, as well as the consumer, when somebody says the word sustainability, gets so focused on actually one aspect of sustainability, which is climate action. But we both know that sustainability is built on a variety of pillars, you know, pillars from doing good for your employees, which is HR, to people, to water conservation, and a lot of other activities together, which based on the United Nations part, it's almost like 17 pillars that get you there. So, as an industry, it was very clear and it helped all the stakeholders in the room to understand that let's focus on all the various things we can do as an industry and not go after one piece of the puzzle. All the three panels, which was the best part, and I think I will reiterate this the symposium was not about X versus Y. The whole focus was not about lab grown. Versus mind, but about how do we, as a lab grown diamond category, focus on creating value and building a brighter future for this category and stand on its own feet. There were some keynote speeches. I'll give you just quick briefs on that by Tom Chatham. As we all know, he's the father of the created emerald business and his journey. He educated everybody about from legal to his journey and all the challenges that we are currently facing and that we would face and explain people the importance of creating value. Uh, One of the other great uh, keynote speeches were by Professor Rao from India, who actually talked about the strengths of lab-grown diamonds as a material versus just the gem quality industry he had brought in a very nice presentation deck that explained that gem quality diamonds are only one of the six applications that will help in human improvement and technological development. The few key other things that I'll just give you quick by words is, you know, when we think of quantum computing and today from AI to quantum computing to the various uses, lab-grown diamonds have a very long way to go and if we look in the next decade, lab-grown diamonds in the gem category would probably lead less than 20% of how this material is going to be used. So that keynote speech was amazing and very educational for the producers and an opportunity to see how they can further work on improving technology to take it to the next level. So that would be my summary from the uh, day of the symposium.
1: Great. Just a- Final question about what you mentioned about sustainability, because you you say that there's more to sustainability than climate protection. That sounds to me a little bit like the industry retreating from its focus, from its claim that you you should buy lab-grown diamonds because they're more environmentally friendly than natural diamonds.
0: I think that when the category came in the earlier days, a lot of the midstream that was trying to put out the diamonds used narratives that were not defined. And one of those narratives was about that lab grown diamonds are more environmentally friendly. When it comes to the conversation about being environmentally friendly, they are environmentally friendly when backed up with the claims using solar energy, renewable energy, and ensuring that the electric that is used is coming from such sources. What was very important during this panel was not about taking a step back from what is being said, but is ensuring that the key growers are backing up their claims for everything that is being said. Today, working conditions in India, in the diamond factories that are cutting lab-grown diamonds, is far superior than so many industries. And this is for our entire diamond industry. I think this symposium will help get everybody moved to a clear next level narrative that will help lab-grown diamonds stand on its own feet, building a better and a brighter future in products that are of course going to do with jewelry, but even outside jewelry. And when we focus on jewelry, it is going to have design and other conversations. So design, marketing, branding three important pillars backed with communications, education, and ultimately a support from the overall industry.
1: Well, Amish Shah, thank you very much. It it sounds like I should have been there myself, but this was the next best thing. So uh, I appreciate your insights and your, uh, I guess you could call it reporting on this event for us. And uh, I'm pleased that you've joined us on the podcast.
0: Thank you very, very much. I would say it was an amazing event, historic event, I would like to thank Ahmed Bin Sulayam once again for hosting this event under the DMCC umbrella. And even though it was about 125 degrees of real feel outside, the heat inside the room was actually the energy and the three E's, as I had mentioned, for everybody who was participating. So thank you very, very much for inviting me on this podcast.
1: Okay, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rappaport Diamond Podcast. For more discussions, news and analysis about the diamond industry, visit us at Rappaport.com. Follow Rappaport Group on Instagram and follow Rappaport on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. And don't forget to subscribe to get future episodes.